Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to the Trek Culture Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Sean. I am joined, of course, by my lovely co-host, Tom. And we are joined by the beautiful creator, the designer, the frankly curly-headed genius, Sam Cockings. How are you, sir? Tired. And you'll know why. I'm good. Yes. I'm, I'm filled with creative excitement because things are happening. Things brilliant, are happening. brilliant. That's, that's literally like, that's what we're doing this week. Basically, it's we are excited to get you back on to talk to you again about this is an incredible project that's coming up. Um, and we already have some bits out there and some bits out. So we're basically going to turn the pod over to you for a while. And you're going to tell us why Star Trek is terrible. Oh, gosh, that's that's a curveball. It's not Sean. You're the wrong script. <laughs> We've got you here to be cancelled. We It's oh, all a ruse. <laughs> Track your hearts. Cancelled after nine years. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Star Trek is you know this wonderful franchise. What it stands for, the stories it's done, the, the the fun you can have. You know, it's such a broad universe that you can do ridiculous side moments in lower decks, and the universe works for that. Star Wars not quite as well. You know, you can't just go to it's not interesting to watch a farmer on Ntac Six. Yeah, but Star Trek, Ntac Six, man, yeah, he's got this and this. You know, exciting. Star Trek's amazing. <laughs> Now, obviously, what we do generally at this stage of the podcast, we talk about the review of the latest episode. Now, oftentimes, that will be a Paramount-sponsored Star Trek episode. But in fact, what we are doing is talking about a Power 543-created episode by Sam. We're actually here to talk about your Prodigy shorts. Yeah, the, the Flight of the Pro Star released a little while ago. Made in six days from concept to to finishing. You'll always know when it was created because it was the it was the start of the night. Project was cancelled. Then it was released six days after project was cancelled. So on the seventh day, everyone tweeted about it, having been seven days since project was cancelled. Um, I, I didn't sleep pretty much that entire week, and it's an honour to be the the world's first, the, the maker of the world's first Picard era fan film and Project era fan film. What a small world, eh? How um. 
When you're making it, how, how long is the pre-production and the post-production? I assume there's a lot of post-production. Well, six days. <laughs> I mean, was everything right? That was that was the joke about it. It was such a uh, yeah rushed project. So, how long was the actual like shooting of it? Well, that I mean, that film was very much. I knew I wanted to make something for the fans to hopefully be a lightning rod. You know, the cancellation really peed me off viscerally because I know the team a bit. We love the show. Yes, it might not have the views of a live action, but it's the heart and soul and stories of a live action Trek. And it really pissed me off. And I'm, you know, the only person in the world that had already done a year's worth of pre-production on getting prodigy assets and costumes built just for, I like the era. I was assuming they get seven seasons. You know, we had a Dauntless, we had a bridge, we had you know things that would take weeks and weeks of work was like 90% ready and just need the extra bit of polish to get them camera ready. So I was in this prime position. I thought to myself, it's fine to have a petition. It's fine to say it online. It's so different to create more prodigy content, have a video people can share, visuals people can get excited about, and also be a what if. You know, if I can tell a story that allows me to show the proto-star, this iconic ship, in situations that fans might go, oh, I want to see that. And the fact is you might see it in seasons three, four, five of Prodigy. So that was kind of the, the impetus to make this, this piece and also make it realistic and doable and not just be some guy on a green screen looking forward. You know, have a variety of sets, have a movement to those sets, have multiple characters and film all that quickly. It was an absolute whirlwind. And I was to write it in, in about an hour and a half. And that night I started doing previews for CG because I had to. And it was it's shockingly ambitious once you watch it for what is ostensibly should be a quick viral piece it's like damn there's a lot in here because i kind of went crazy i guess yeah and like when when you i know kind of the fun part of writing is you know ideas generate ideas generate ideas but this this is one of the quickest turnarounds of a project i think i've certainly heard of in the longest time um you don't read you don't have time to second guess yourself like you have to just go like right that's it this is the story this is what we're doing um so was there any of that, like, great, this is cool, this is going Well, inside you're like, oh my God, what if this is the worst idea I've ever had in my life? Or, or do you even allow those thoughts air? So I think that the, the annoyance sparked something. And also I think fate was on my side. You know, I had to have a lot of faith and a lot of luck to be able to create that in that time to the quality I did. I didn't have any right to do it, but I, I guess everything was on my side. No, I, I think I had a decent idea i checked with a couple of people you know that that night like nick we're doing a film can you film sunday here's the idea i love it okay go to sleep now it's 11 p.m you, you got work tomorrow as a nurse tomorrow yeah like i had a few of those things right at the right time but it's it was a simple idea and also you know you guys have seen the cliffhanger ending it's quite big and bold and and you know i don't necessarily intend to finish that story <laughs> <laughs> um so i thought how can i make a big ridiculous thing i know that aaron walkey who's, who's a friend of mine who you know lead roger and prodigy season two he loves the crown time ship so i was like oh we're gonna end on a end on a specific high just for him to kind of get an expert of pizzazz but no I, I guess i couldn't afford to second guess i had to be producing i think certainly a few of the shots the space shots are a bit like really and certainly when i got near the end of the edit i'm like oh i need a shot to fill in time there and like one shot took 16 hours to produce just one shot. And so I, when, you only, when you only have like 46 hours until release, it's like, well, you got to pick your battles carefully. And I tried and I, I think I achieved that quite well. No, it was a it was a whirlwind. But, you know, it's a fun story. You, you know, you're able to really get into the world of Prodigy. 
see it in live action. I know the team probably saw it. I know they felt some things seeing it in ostensibly live action, although it's still animated, of course, 3D animation, but done in not their style. I didn't do Bright Nebulas. I didn't do cartoon. It, it's film. It, the CG is done like a modern old Trek, right? Like Voyager, like Enterprise, like the style we associate. So seeing it in a live action, I know it was very poignant to them. I am like many of the people listening to this is that... Um... I am not an editor. I am not a designer. I am not an illustrator in any way. I write and I present. Uh, also, to everyone listening to this, please, I'm not one of the editors. The editor is, they, they are incredible people. I'm not just saying that because Tom is here on the call as well. <laughs> incredible people. And it's a very, very different type of work. Uh, like you saying, like a shot took 16 hours to render. And this, it's not like you can just hit F5 and it goes faster. If anything, that's just like, Please, for the love of God, don't hit F5. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what do you do in that time? You know, like, do you just write, this is when I can sleep? Yeah, you time manage. You time manage, you know, every time, right? Dinner's now d- rendering during dinner, rendering sleep, rendering during food shopping. I think I, 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 the only thing I did in those six days was make this short, eat food, to do anything else. Um, and it's, but, you know, obviously, just, this was during the Trek shows. So at Strangely Worlds on Thursday, uh, well, Friday for us, and then then I started this, and then back again on Thursday, and I released on Thursday morning, like whatever. So I was literally the entire in between time between the two days of Stranger Worlds, and I was back on track yards on on the Thursday Friday as if nothing happened, but being massively more tired. No, just time management. You know, I've got efficient because I've done I think fourteen shorts released this point, uh, six this year, six last year. I've got many more in production. You know, knowing the limit, writing to your own strengths helps a lot. And and knowing what flourishes you can take and just making sure I always have something rendering. Because as you say, you can't speed up a bar because it's one thing to produce content. It's another thing for people to look at it and say, that's very grainy. That's an error. That you know, those errors are going to stand out more and people are not going to appreciate you made it in six days. Because now it's been weeks. No one's looking back and thinking, six day release from cancellation, right? It had to be a real film. And I was very careful. When I pitched to myself in those first 12 minutes of the pitch to myself, <laughs> it had to be a real film as well. Because, of course, I could have made a a, a literal prodigy ad, you know, yeah. um, try and put Rock Talk in somehow and make it very um, non-canon. But I thought the fun would be to how do I actually tell characters moments inside that? How do I develop these two or three characters? How do I add something to what I've been building over the last three years? Um, and because it's actually in the future... And this isn't a spoiler because we released a trailer. Uh, uh, Lieutenant Laura Reed, which is a spoiler in itself, mentions the Vija film in the film, which we've done a trailer for, because obviously if it's canon to the universe of my shorts, they all know what happened to them. And we've already worked out all the storylines, give or take. So it's fun to like, what do I link and what do I tease and what do I know? And 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 I was in it for once. My goodness. I was, I was actually the lead, which was scary because I'm not an actor, not a line learner. But I think it's some pretty decent eye acting. That was what I thought I brought to it. Yeah, as as someone who um, has edited and produced and directed videos and short films and things, it's kind of a dream, obviously a very tiring one, but a, a dream to be like, I'm making this and in a, in a week's time, it's done. Because these things take so much months of just planning and then money and then shooting, getting actors. And the, so the fact you're like, right, I'm doing it. Okay, I've done it is is amazing. It's kind of how you want everything to be done. <laughs> Yeah, it was, I mean, it went beyond a full-time job, right? You know, I was waking up at 2 p.m., working until 6 a.m. I saw Dawn every single day that week. I went to bed in, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, yeah, it was that full of a day, about seven hours sleep each day. But yeah, right, it was, I mean, massively satisfying. And then the reaction 
was amazing. You know, the Hagemans found it within like an hour and a half, <laughs> two hours, and they're yeah. sharing it. And then their friends are sharing it. You know, and this is during a strike where it's a bit like, uh, but animation's not covered. It's, it's a bit different. Mm-hmm. How did that and, feel to have them share it? I mean, you know, it was made for them, right? It's a love letter, not just to the fans and a, and a plea to Paramount, but it's also to, to show the Hagemans and Wilkie and, and the writers, you know, this, what you made matters to us. And, and the fact that a bad news made some good news, I would like to think would show, you know, the Netflix and the Amazons of the world saying the crazy fans did this. Cause I didn't see that for star Wars or for other things. I mean, that I, I, I possibly a world first, you know, doing something in that time zone to that quality and that ambition. Um, and the you know, reaction was amazing. You know, people are used to my short films and this one just came out all of a sudden. I didn't expect it. And I talked about a release schedule. Like, oh, this film comes out in this film. So this other thing comes out that makes no sense. And then, oh, here it is. Uh, no, it's beautiful. And people, so many people said, I want to see a Prodigy live action show. I'm like, yes, do it. You know, Prodigy is great as a set when you put actors on it and the ships look great. And, you know, I mean, I even, um, I even talked to J.G. Hertzler at a convention recently and told him, you know, I put you in the short. He's like, what? <laughs> you're, you're on that flagship JG, you're leading this this Klingon Armada to fight the, the evil villains who are trying to do a civil war. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. That's actually very funny because, sorry, I, I, just want to say, I, I, I won't name who it was because the poor person, it might sound like they're stalking you, but there was somebody at Destination Star Trek and they text me to say, I've just seen Sam Cockings having what looks like a very intense conversation with JG Hertzler. That is 100%. That is an honest thing, that oh. message I got that day. Well, there you go. I was telling him he was helping to defeat... Uh, evil tyrant Klingon Empire thing. And I showed him the clips. I had an iPad and he was like, oh, cool. <laughs> go, JJ. Now, I know, I, 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 in a way, I both know the answer to this and then, so you're working within the boundaries that have been set by the studio when it comes to fan films. Um, and I know they can be, uh, obviously, like some people say they're incredibly difficult. Some people look, say they're fine. Just work within the boundaries. Just just work within that and you're okay. Um was there ever any concern of like crap? This is this is actually going to kill this project before it gets off the ground. Well, the nice about films, you put them out, people enjoy them, and then you can get you're already off the ground at that point, aren't you? Uh, I mean, you know, the, 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 we all lived in the fan film world. We all lived through that that day. And in fact, I was at the mecca of fan films the day it happened. I don't know if you guys knew that. I was actually in Ticonderoga. I was on the train when the fan film guidelines hit, and so I literally walked into the phase two sound stages to see James Cawley like two hours after and saw his original reaction, his uncensored reaction to basically cancel his fan films, which was quite interesting. So we were at the Mecca, we were lit at the central point of everything. But as we've all listened to the, the you know, the Thomas's piece, you know, their guidelines, not rules, and they reserve the right to come after you, even if you follow all of them, because they're fan films, you have no legal right to anything in them. Nothing, you, I don't know anything I made, right? And therefore, you know, you've got to stay with, what, what is the point of a fan film? It's to make a piece of content by fans, for the world for free, not get paid for it and not try to be Star Trek. And Star Trek is, you know, 40, 50 minute content, several million an episode um, and looking amazing. My stuff is none of that. You know, I see I the flaws. Yours looks amazing. I see. I, I know the flaws of my stuff. You know, it looks, it looks good for a fan film, not good compared to a professional fan. Like there have been occasional ones that like have you know, 30 year veterans who can do a thing better than I can do it, right? So there's that level. I don't reach that. It's it's good. It's nice. It works. Some stuff's really good, whatever. So you're not going to confuse. If you see my short, you're not going to confuse anything for real Star Trek because everything's nicer now than what I can do. And that's good. I don't try and do that level. I try and do sort of a 
2001, 2003 Voyager Enterprise level of visual effects and then whatever I can do green screen. But I'm telling small stories. Yes, they're continuing. Yes, they have characters I want to build because I feel Star Trek is very character-based. I want you to watch an interesting story through the lens of interesting characters you care about and who know how they might react. You know, if you've had 10 films of the character and you then suddenly see them fight this giant monster, you're going to have a sense, oh, that, oh that, that reminds them of this event in their past. And they're going to... That's part of the fun, right? Is to know that about them. Um, and so continuing shorts are important. And, and you know, I, I hope I'm okay. I'm just trying to make nice content for fans, show stuff Paramount isn't showing. You know, we can throw in a, a centaur to a random sequence, but Picard didn't build a centaur. Or, or they can't bring in load X ships. You know, we can do all that stuff that it brings this universe together in a way they can't do. Or even other universes. Hint, hint. You know, there's <laughs> stuff we can do that's a bit silly, but also I try and bring it in a more real way. It should be a real story. The real characters written cleverly. Oh, look, there's this. That's fun. I've uh, I read some some upcoming ideas. I shall say no more because you will. Some big ideas. Launch, launch yourself through this and and kill me, and that is absolutely fine. Uh, but what I can say is that like no no one ever pulled you aside and said, "Listen, you need to dial that ambition down a little bit." You know, you you, you can't beat it. This is a bit ridiculous now, and it's bloody refreshing because I think of it this way how often have you know those of us who collect models sat there and we've flown the Enterprise around or we've flown you know a Klingon bird of prey or something and said right in my head they're having the war you're just doing that at the next bloody level okay I say the next level several levels further along um and it's a lot of fun and you have found some other insane people who are there and happy to make this work with you um you know acting under the tyrannical gaze of uh, director Sam Cocking. You've seen firsthand. <laughs> I have seen firsthand, and uh, he's actually a big sweetheart, really. Yeah, I, lo- I love the old, do it again, but 10% more kind, or 10, 20% more angry. It's a real direction. You guys do get it. You, it yeah. does happen. Or the immortal one, cry pretty. Did I say that? No, no, you, 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 okay. you, you, you are okay, that one. Well, I do remember I told you to yell louder in a scene, if you recall. Someone was kneeling and you were yelling, and I was just like... Can we can we get away with this? Yeah, louder, push it further. And he belted it, it was amazing. The other guy's reaction is like, because it's like, yeah, you you know, that one was real. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> That's true. It's like, it's the end of the day, I'm tired. You want a loud shout? You're getting a loud shout. <laughs> what directly is is next that, you know, we can expect mm. or hope to see? So, because I know there's so many projects. Well, yeah, there's always more Trek shorts. There's the continuing adventures of our characters, uh, you know, from early TNG to, uh, to Picard because, you know, we raised some money and made a Picard era short at the museum, which was amazing. Uh, you know, showing the, the Enterprise D at the museum beforehand. That was fan funded. That's been really fun to shoot. We've got de-aging. So we're doing prequels with actors who are in their fifties, back to their twenties to bring Keely into Picard era. I have to up-age her into her fifties, you know, just standard stuff. Right. But Prodigy is still a big deal to me. And, you know, this is the first show that's been cancelled since 2005 for Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Discovery's going to end on its own terms. It got sort of cancelled, sort of, they're going to close, whatever. This is the first true get off our lawn. And that's not okay. It's a really good show. And so I'm, I'm very keen on continuing this push because every bit of visual content I can make is a moment that people can galvanize behind. They can share it with a hashtag, save such a prodigy. And they can see new Prodigy. Because how many people in the world can just make new Prodigy visuals? It's not super difficult. So mm-hmm. there is a big thing in the works that, that you both know about that is big. Mm-hmm. 
that will that when I say big and we teased it last time, Sean, I I pitched it to you last time we talked. You've now read it. Was I underselling the big scale when I pitched frankly, to you? Did you did you quite visualize that amount of scale? Fr- frankly, you were underselling it. Yeah. Like it's it is big. I have I've um as of the recording of this episode, I, I've just finished reading the full the full idea. Almost the it. full. <laughs> still more. And it's it, it like it's bonkers. It is absolutely logical. bonkers. Um, That's no, no, logical. No, no, no. It, it, it is. It is logical because I don't know how much you want me to say. I just want to say, yeah. like, scale wise, this is big, you know. Um, and I know there is obviously goes without saying. There's so much work done, so much work to go as well. But then you also have. I mean, I want to say as well. You've got people who are much more important than I am. Are uh, giving their input, shall we say? Am I allowed to say that? I mean, you know, it's a big project. People have thoughts. You know, we yeah. want to make it something world first, you know, something that people will watch and be able to rally behind and hopefully make, keep momentum going and have a regular hashtag moment that will show Paramount and, and the fans that Prodigy is alive, is well, I'll give it season three and four and five. That's important to me. And that big one is going to hopefully, I'm trying. There's another project before that, because that got delayed, because there's a couple of things that take a bit longer to make. Uh, so I'm releasing something hopefully next month. Well, this month, the time of recording. Uh, do, you guys want, do you guys want to know what it is? Should I, should I give me an exclusive? Is that right? Yes, please. Is that something you, something you want? So I wrote another, or writing, another hashtag save such a prodigy film. But this time... Going to the old bucket list of wouldn't it be cool slash wow, we're doing a Star Trek post Nemesis era, so in the greys, slash Red Dwarf crossover. <laughs> the, the old British cult TV show that's 30 years and still making in theory. Yeah, yeah, they're still going, isn't it, sort of? They plan to make more 30 years yeah. later. Yeah. yeah. The idea of a sci-fi franchise continuing for more than a week. I don't know, just, just, <laughs> just dreadful. Um... I was gonna say I, I I can nearly hear Chris just beaming from ear to ear because I know he is a, a bit of a Red Dwarf fan. Uh, Tom, are you? I, I I'm I was just saying to Sam before we recorded. I I know I've seen apparently a couple of seasons because I thought it was just one season and then. But I was well, uh, I I was a wee tyke, not unlike yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, I um, growing up, which to Sean isn't that long ago for me, um, still happening. Uh, I uh, I I was a big uh, comedy and sitcom fan, so I, I was watching everything basically, and um, I got into uh, Red Dwarf a little later. I also the, the strange thing of Red Dwarf, as much as I love it, I mean, similar to Star Trek, there are some seasons that I just wouldn't watch again. Mm. Um, you have to. I think the first season, there's stuff in it that I like, but there's like. Some really strong ones where, like, every episode is like amazing. Yeah. Not null, classic not null for people who understand what that means. Um, but yeah, but no, I, I love Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek? I love Star Trek. That's that's obviously what this uh, podcast is about. I love Red Dwarf. Um, and I think that would be exciting, especially Red Dwarf is exactly the sort of thing that you could imagine watching and then just seeing the Enterprise go past. So it's, it's the perfect, I think, show to, to cross with. I already had some assets from it built a long time ago. And if you've got the stuff, although we end up building more stuff because I'm ridiculous, um, 
you know, it's, it's it, all these fan films opportunities, right? And you want to make people smile. And it is a prodigy film. There's a big proto star, proto core, proto drive connection, which is going to be so fun to explore. Um, and the Red Dwarf, not well, the Starbug gets in it, and there's some other fun things. And it's actually surprisingly big because it's meant to be a bonus additional short. Goddamn. But I mean, when you start writing these things, you think the fans want to get, obviously, not their money's worth, not, it's not the cinema, but they want to get the, you put all this effort in to make it, do make it a real story. Um, and it's another documentary format, which allows for a nice bit of narrative you know, through flow. You can kind of skip moments and move on to other things. And it's really fun. There's some really nice meta elements to it, as of course it would have to be. But it's 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 you know it's serious. Um, and to have our, to write our characters speaking, in theory, jokes, but deadpan because to us they're not jokes, but they are jokes. But we're just saying things as as real scientists. It's be so fun to act. We haven't done yet. Um, we need to get Emma down for that when she's free because she's got something else going on, and then rush that out. And, and introduce the world to a red, I think first Red Dwarf fan film. I don't know. It can't be many, if any. Definitely first yeah. crossover. And you get to see a good amount of Starbug, as you should. I, I love how this podcast went from uh, talking about Trek to it's actually the glorious return of OG Red Dwarf is now happening uh, via Power 543 films and <laughs> via uh, Sam Cockings. Just randomly kidnapping actors and forcing them into roles, which is just wonderful. I mean, you know, they buy their own tickets, but the, the kidnapping's real, you know. Voluntary <laughs> kidnapping, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we, we have to bring Emma back to do some solo stuff for the big project. So it's kind of like, you know, one of things, if, if it's three and a half hours to get here, you don't want to only do an hour of filming. So it's like, oh, we'll just write something else. When we can go into, obviously, more details about the big project, we will, because, uh, I mean, I really, I, I don't want to oversell, like, this is... This is one of the most ambitious things I think I've ever heard of, let alone been a part of uh, in my very small way. And again, I shall say no more than that. But um, this, this is big. And I think fans are going to be delighted. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
centuries. You're listening to the Federation News Network. The, the, the news is a bit light this week, so I'm delighted we got to talk, uh, Sam, about your part as much as possible. Uh, pretty much, I think the news is we're getting a double premiere of Lower Decks. We're getting two episodes for the price of one, uh, which I am quite happy about. And I know somewhere Chris is gently weeping, knowing that he has to edit two ups and downs uh, oh, yeah. instead of one. Uh, At the same time as well. Yeah. <laughs> two computers. Um, <laughs> I might be weeping in case he asks me to do the other one. Uh Say that's a great idea. Maybe do you know what? Maybe you should do both. <laughs> yeah. I'll do yeah, both I, and then I'll quit. And you'll never <laughs> see me again. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a mixture of con- confused and excited because I I don't think they're meant to be a two-parter based on the minimal shots they've released. They feel like entirely separate. Mm. Yeah. Which I was excited if it was a full, full two-parter because they can do those well, I'm guessing. But I wonder why, because it feels like odd to release. They've only got nine weeks of content, but it's a streaming who wants all the weeks. Unless there's a yeah. specific thing that there's a there's a an end plot twist that you want. To, I don't know. I'm confused by the why. Um, well, I, I I know I'm the cynical one, but they do keep doing this at the moment, especially Paramount. Like it's like, guys, remember we're the good guys. Here you go, have two. Like it's like, can we just calm down <laughs> and just you know we like the weekly release schedule. Yeah. Yes. Much it's like a job. Yeah. <laughs> it's like people have speculated if they ever did Prodigy season two as a full release and released it as a Netflix all in one day. Mm-hmm. For people like us, that would be horrific. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, please, please, please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that is not something that will be conducive to our like mental or physical health. Or our, no. our rent. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. All, all, all of that. Just, 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 just no. Um, so before we give studios any ideas like that, um, would you like to take a trip with us to Cargo Bay 101? So, Sam, you have been with us on the pod before, so you know how Cargo Bay 101 works. Uh, just if it's your first time on the podcast this week, Cargo Bay 101 is the wonderful room in which our guest of the week will take something from the entire Star Trek franchise and place it in the Cargo Bay, then has to make the argument as to why we should blast that thing off into space, never to return to the franchise again. So no pressure. So, Sam, what do you have for us this week? I have an impassioned plea. Last last Ooh. time I brought cob badges. Um, so a small thing. I'm going bigger this 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 time. Fundamentally, the biggest thing right now in Trek that should be jettisoned is the cancellation of Prodigy. Come on, guys, throw that letter into the into the airlock, have it flown out, and have Netflix, the ship Netflix, pick it up. And there you go. Need I say more? I mean like to be totally so I mean to be honest, yes, I'm gonna agree with that straight away because it's just it's it's so wrong. You made an excellent point that like it's the first show since Enterprise to be actually properly cancelled. As you say, yes, there's been like Discovery is getting Discovery's season five will be airing on Paramount, so it does make it very, very different. Um and not only am I annoyed because I like the show and I want to see more of it, but I'm annoyed as that it just feels very disrespectful, you know? It feels weird. There's a lack of it logic, does. which makes it feel odd. Especially as you should always give shows more than one season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Especially as you already bought season. the second one. 
at least give the two that you've already made and bought. And it's very odd. I mean, is that is that a first in international media to to make a show almost get it finished but not release it and also not and off two networks off Nickelodeon network they could have released it on one of the two. Mm. Uh, uh, so unusual it, it's like a trend it's not but it's a, a precedent setting isn't it i feel like if it is i really don't want it to be because i know i know what you mean like if yeah uh tom who famously hates everything um like what like what are your feel? i know we've kind of touched on it across several episodes but what are your kind of knee-jerk reaction feelings now to right let's undo the cancellation of prodigy no i think we should cancel it no <laughs> no yeah it it it, it was a stupid idea. It did. It did seem like a knee-jerk reaction. It felt like they were like, uh, you know, where can we save some money? What about this? Okay, bye. And that was it. It didn't really feel like. I mean, just from my what I think, they didn't think about it enough, to be honest. Especially being the home of Star Trek, they could have thought, you know, what? Maybe we should keep the Star Trek and get rid of something else, or get rid of a few other things. And I think if Netflix do save it, that would give some Netflix some uh, well-needed points because Netflix aren't everyone's favorite streaming service at the moment. And I think they could definitely, you know, if they did something like that, everyone's views would would change slightly, which would be a good idea. So Netflix, if you're hearing this, do the right thing. And we know you are Netflix. It's Netflix, you're there. But what's, what's doubly interesting is that it's not just cancellation where you, like, you know, Lucifer gets cancelled, they, they few years later, new season, they make it themselves. It's a ready-made TV show season they're yeah. buying. Mm-hmm. You've never had a Star Trek show on the open market before. Yeah. That's an incredible... Like The Star Trek brand by itself, imagine saying that 10 years ago, we've got a Trek show that's literally just needs a, just needs a buyer. And you yeah. know that Prodigy failed, quote-unquote, because it was poorly released scheduling, it was, it was me- me- missed, messed up, mixed up over a year and a half, right? And a bad marketing budget too, and two kids showy sellings. It really isn't. It's a, it's a show with a kids slice, but it's really a real show. Yeah. If Netflix or Amazon took it and a proper marketing campaign, which you know yeah. Amazon is in everyone's home, they can put ads on all the things that far super far further what Paramount Plus could possibly ever do yeah. for relatively no money. If, it, if people know it exists, and let's be honest, the cancellation got it on national international news networks. The cancellation brought it to notoriety. So it's uncancellation by an Amazon would be big news. Well, the viewership would just be significantly higher. Yeah. Who hasn't got Amazon Prime? If it's free on Amazon Prime, you're 50 times in the potential viewership in Parent Plus in day one, right? Could they do... I, I don't really know how it works with something like this, especially tied to like networks as it was to a point. Um, a Patreon because if you look at something like uh, Critical Role, you know, doing a Patreon for their own animation, and then that skyrocketed, and then Amazon took it. Is there some sort of you know they've already made the show? Is there anything they can do other than a petition that could get people to like to show that people actually want this? Well, people are yeah. The Blu-ray, the Blu-ray sales because hard right. cash metrics is important. How do you metri- how do you metricize a five-child household with one uh, Paramount Plus subscription and all five kids love the show? That comes out as one view. Yeah, that, that's yeah, it. Yeah. But there's does not represent the interest. Toys they would produce too late and not circulated enough because that's normally how you used to judge you know Star Wars etc. Toys has a huge. There's an interest. The Blu-ray 
The first Blu-ray of part one, which was, I'm assuming, not hugely printed because, again, low interest, sold out in, like, two days. Mm -hmm. They had to make a new whole print, and I got, like, second batch run of the reprint, literally printing money at that point, you know. And then they announced the second part of the season Blu-ray, and that's hugely sold, too. Those are pure money metrics. Each Blu-ray is an interested fan. At the very least, every season is bought by some number of people. That's raw money, right? That's a metric. So that absolutely show Paramount will damn, especially as you have the Picard, Stranger Worlds, you have every Blue A's metrics, and I guarantee they outsold certainly Picard season two, let's be honest, any which way, probably you know, Stranger Worlds, definitely Discovery. Like the, If the sales are that high, you're thinking, wow, we've over, it's our third best-selling Blu-ray out of the last 10 years. Huh. That's a fan reaction right there. So do more of that. <laughs> you know, anything with Prodigy the name, buy it. That's really important. Sharing the hashtag is really important because those metrics are seen. These films, you know, if we can get my films, 100,000 views, 200,000 views, that shows Paramount there's interest and shareability. It isn't just about me, right? And it really isn't about me. It's about you guys and getting the show back and showing them. Like pushing your films, talking about your films, sharing your films. This isn't just because, oh, we want Sam Cockings to do really, really well in his career. We do, and we wish you very well. But it is because this is a crucial moment in history for Star Trek. You are taking the lead, you know, kind of... New media campaign. Yeah, in the, in this side of you, so let's say that, let's say there's an overall campaign of Save Star Trek Prodigy, which of course there is, and there's different aspects for that. We've talked about the plane. Uh, yeah. Just the other day, I saw that uh, Blue Origin are bringing a, a message of Save Star Trek Prodigy into space, which I think is just incredible. And Star Trek Online just announced their entire expansion for it. So they're just Pro Stars now in the game, Murphs now in the game. Beautiful, wonderful. That that that's a giant thing too because they can see metrics on how many people buy the Pro Star, etc. Phenomenal. Thank you yeah. to them for helping. Big, 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 massive time. Like this is every single thing makes a massive difference. This is an incredible project that I cannot wait, you know, when it comes to the other side of it. And we're looking back being like, so Sam, do you just hate sleep? Is yes. that we're having these kind of talks. Um, but but I want to be having that conversation as we're looking forward to Prodigy season three. Three. Exactly. You know? And the only way that happens is if we all get behind projects like this. Uh, hashtag save Star Trek Prodigy. Because that's going to appear outside of every film. Hashtag save Star Trek Prodigy. That is the core message. This is a bigger thing than just me. And, you know, if you if you like, if you want Prodigy, fly the Pro Star, go reshare it. You know, we got almost as many views as the petition in half as much time. Because YouTube yeah, is a great incredible. medium. Again, another metric they can show. Right, so he's keeping up in views, he's keep getting comments, he's keep algorithmically winning, you know. And the next one, a bit less prodigy, obviously, but there's a good amount in it. You know, share it, get seen. It's important. Uh, all right, controversial. No, don't blast it out of space because then you wouldn't have seen all of these lovely fan productions and all of this thing coming together if it hadn't been cancelled. So it's a yeah. bit of a wibbly wobbly. Uh, but no, absolutely. How about we we blast it out of space and then it, it's just like, oh, we've brought it back. We blast it out of space in a spacesuit so it can be recovered. Tom. What? What do you want from me? <laughs> Are you blasting it out into space or not? Yeah, yeah, I'm blasting it into space. Hey. <laughs> okay.
we have a few uh we got a bunch actually we might not get through all of them today but we got a load of questions for the podcast remember guys use hashtag ask trek culture if you want to send any questions for us for the podcast about star trek about us about the guest anything you like um as long as it's not uh, extremely offensive i will read it out i just want to do a follow-up from one we did last uh, week on the podcast lee at lee underscore go underscore brick uh he asked us where he should go he he started on i think strange new worlds and was it prodigy i'm not sure or was it he started on some new star trek basically as like first before he did anything else he's just got into star trek and he's done some of the newest seasons um and he asked what we suggest and we gave our suggestions uh but we didn't mention uh tos which is where he actually went to next so he said thanks for the answer to my question on the pod i'm four episodes into tos on netflix um and then he then he asked if these were the original graphics because they're good no they're the updated ones right they are, they are very much the update. These are yeah. like, yeah, there's, yeah, no, no, think of the original exterior shots uh, exist. Uh, yeah. And look, as a collector and as a mark, like a his, history fan, in a way, it's a bit of a shame, but I mean, it does look better for it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it would be lovely. You know, the perfect world would be they put out both versions, but that's mm. people aren't going to do that. That's um, what the DVD is for. Yeah, yeah. Collect hard media, everybody. Uh, Physical media. Uh, Before I heard advice, uh, thought about starting release order, not canon. Uh, Some hard going, should I abandon? Uh, No, don't abandon TOS. I think there's lots of good stuff there. You know, yes, it was a show made in the 60s, and there are some episodes which feel like it was a show made in the 60s, but it's definitely, I think, not just because it's, you know, the order or it's some of the order of the actual uh, show, but like it's a good place to start because you are starting at the beginning of Trek. You are seeing where it all came from. And then you can, from there, you can figure out like what different parts of, of Star Trek do you want to go to? For sure. Um, Sam, as well, like I know, you know, you are particularly, you are quite a fan of the original series, the original series aesthetic, everything like that. Would there be... Uh, it's maybe sounds weird phrasing it like this. What advice would you give to someone who's just coming to it now for the first time? And there is going to be the sixties of it all. So what would you say in that case? Well, it's tricky, obviously, because when we all watched it, it was only 30 years old. (laughs) True. Um, As kids, then pre-internet, pre-giant feature films, you know, what we saw was acceptably good content with a slightly less shiny sheen. If you were a five-year-old now who somehow saw Endgame already, like this giant scale, you there's no way you can see the TOS looking even good from that perspective. But then TNG also now looks bad, right? Everything's going to be a sliding scale. Even the original Star Wars now looks oddly flat conceptually. Like Those things are just going to keep being pushed forward as kids are growing with more things to look worse and worse. But the stories haven't changed. And the reason these things have stood the test of time has not changed. And Star Trek was about bigger, bolder things. There's a couple of things that are a bit odd, but there's shockingly few considering, you know, Cage, no one, Captain's a bit weird. They retcon it so quickly, whatever, right? But it's the stories are still so good. And my dad always says, it's now theatre, right? It's not so much TV, it's now a theatre show. And some of the best stories are still in TOS. 
I'm sorry, because they're the they're real legendary sci-fi writers that we've never managed to match because they were the original. They were the classics. They were the bold thinkers that had these giant, you know, they knew science and science fiction they were inventing. Nowadays, it's all about, oh, let's do Back to the Future meets Terminator meets Aliens, because they're now all doing is just, we've had these ideas already. They're all the fresh ideas. So, you know, but if you're someone who can't watch anything past 2000 or anything past 2010, TOS and many things aren't going to be for you. That's, yeah. you know that might just be a problem, right? Maybe at some point kids will say Jar Jar looks too stupid in Phantom Menace, you know, cutting edge at the time. Now he looks ridiculous. So if you're that sort of person, some shows aren't going to be for you and that's okay, right? That's totally, like some people just think Discovery's too dark or Picard's too dark or Lodex is too silly. You know, I know people said, watch Lodex because it's just Rick and Morty. It's really not. So you can't win for everybody, but I always say, start with the start, start with doing chronological make order because then you evolve with the show. And you watch the evolution going from enterprise to discovery to change worlds to TOS doesn't make a lick of sense. If you're trying to see all the firsts happen decades earlier, but now you watch them first and it's just, yeah, good stories. We can't watch it fine, but there's still good stories and Kirk is still great. And Spock's still great. And McCoy is still great. They haven't changed. I would, I would say as well, just add quickly as someone who's, you know, was also, I don't watch it much now, but was also a fan of Dr. Who, um, the older, it's much easier to get into than some of the older Doctor Who, I would say, than, with, than the TOSs, I mean, because it's, you know, essentially it was like a horror show with, it was science fiction. Um, so it's, it's a lot more genre, it's a lot more pulpy. So it's, uh, some of the old Doctor Who is just mind-numbingly boring uh, <laughs> to watch and flat and just like, quarries and stuff so it's um in terms of that i think it's easy to get into yeah and that's a wonderful parallel because they are very comparative but of course yeah. tos was radically high budget i mean it was really high budget at the time doctor was yeah. always low budget and you can you can appreciate from nine onwards eccleston onwards and then enjoy seeing the old ones back you know i watched recently with a blu-ray came out for the first doctor i was like i haven't seen a first doctor story all the way through because when do you ever feel like going back and watching a black and white, badly paced mm-hmm. 60s show that is itself? They're not trying to, he's not even a Time Lord until a later season, right? Yeah, yeah. It's true, it yeah. isn't to the show it's going to be, whereas you have Warp, you have Torpedoes, you have Klingons. Star Trek is still Star Trek. Red, uh, but, um, Doctor Who changed. But it's fascinating to see what they get right and good. And then, like you say, there's scenes which are like, oh, that Dalek fell downstairs and it fell apart because yeah. there's a dude in it. Like, that's definitely harder. But just wanting to go back and watch a black and white badly paced thing, whereas TOS, it can be a bit janky, but it's shockingly good considering. And that's why it's one of the what five franchises that existed for 50 years continuously. Uh, right. This next one I'm going to ask to Sam directly because here's a little insider for the listeners. So, this show, this podcast is edited. And last week, me and Sean answered a question that led us down a very strange path. That at the end I said, okay, let's just cut this all out because it got very strange. But I think I'm going to change it slightly and ask Sam. So the question is this from at DWJ1965. If they were to make a TNG Kelvin timeline reboot movie in the near future, who among today's actors would you cast for the major roles? So that's also another thing to remember, guys. I may have asked your question at some point on the podcast, but for one reason or another, it ends up getting cut from the episode. So this was on the last episode, but now it's on this one. And I'm going to ask you, Sam, and just, I'm going to give you just one, choose one character because we'll be here forever. 
and 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 recast it for a new version. And I also I will cut out any arms, ours, or pauses. It would be funny to see James McAvoy as Picard. That's what Sean said. Yeah, there'd be a certain... He wouldn't play it the same, obviously. Yeah. And it's just for a gag rally, but you would kind of appreciate the meta logic to that. Yeah, yeah. God. Maybe the kid that plays young Sheldon to be uh, uh, Data in like 10 years. That's a good idea, yeah. I mean, even old Sheldon could do it now. He's too old, though. He's He's gone past that. No, no offense to him, obviously, but Data looked quite young, and he's meant nice to stay. You hear that, Jim Parsons? You're <laughs> over the hill. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, uh, that, uh, it's an impossible question, right? Because you wouldn't. Are you? You look at Kelvin. They didn't. They did not recreate the originals. Yeah. Except, except Bones. He kind of was trying, but he was a fan of. But right. So they wouldn't. You wouldn't do the old style again. But then say, is it a horror show? Is it a sci-fi show? Is it an action show? You wouldn't hire. You know, a. a, a the calm Picard style actor. If you're going to make an action film, you just wouldn't, right? Without ruin, it's you need to know the theme. Um, yeah, it's it's too difficult a question because it's such an ensemble. And then do, you know, do you give? How do you change uh, Diana's story to give her more a point? Yeah, in a good yeah. way, right? Like you'd have to re, you know. And then would you would you give Beverly and Picard now a really thick love story? Because like, well, Jack comes along in potentially in twenty years in that timeline. Like you now know stuff that you can put back in. That's really cool, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, or and unknowns, or honestly, just do unknowns, just just yeah. do giant casting call across the world, and just go totally unknowns, and just go fresh with it. Still bald guys, still beard guys, still you know those logics, but like just unknowns who can then re-inhabit them in their own way and cheap. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I mean, there's, it's not like there isn't a, a a sense to that. Okay, last question. Um, this is from at Captain Ender. I want to say, uh, what alien race or general plot point that only showed up for a single episode or movie do you want them to go back and revisit in modern Trek? I think it's got to be Sex Candle. <laughs> what? What's, 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 what's wrong with that? What's, what, what? Mike has been dropped. How do we follow that? <laughs> you know, I, have a, I have a habit in my fan films of, of cause I have a, a slight pet peeve against the Gorn that they've been made a bit too animistic and just... Um, so anytime I can mention the Gorn organically as like a we're friends with the Gorn now and like we got to dinner with the Gorn and I've met my Gorn friend, it just it's nice to bring that into the, well, of course we're all friends now. Um, but I'd love yeah. to see the Sheliak back from TNG. Oh, super yeah. memorable, super interesting. You could do so many things with that. Sheliak would be my thing. What was the race in uh Star Trek Nemesis? Was Remans. Remans. Yeah. Do we see them much since only then? Enterprise as background extras? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to do more of them because I thought they were quite interesting. Great makeup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, not to plug another show, but in the Romulan War, the other fan I work on is a giant political arc with the Remans because you know underclass and suicide fighters, and they made me do CG for. So don't. It's not great to do those sorts of shots, but there's like a rebel Reman uprising, and because you know if if you're fighting an intergalactic war and you've got two classes and one of the main fighters, and then bad things happen, there's things that yeah. Mark's a great writer, so if you want to see Reman ships do Reman things, check out Roman and War, because it's got a lot of that, actually. Sam, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Um, you are awesome. You're wonderful. Now, we're going to let you go, because you have a lot of editing to do. Um, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, stock up on sleep while you can. Um, but before we let you go, where is the best place to find you and to find all of your output as well? Yes, Twitter, 
Salmon Cockings, I am there. Trokey as well, if you want to tag us as well. It's all, all the same sort of stuff. And Power 543 Fan Films on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, we're also in a Discord for our Patreon. So if you join the Patreon, then you'll be on Discord and you'll get exclusive things and bobs. Um, you know, we're doing we're doing more and more projects, which is taking more and more time away from, you know, work. That's an issue, as you can imagine. Um, but it's exciting, you know. So take a look at that. And just, yes, yeah, on YouTube, Powerful Fan Films, Power 503 Fan Films, just, you know, watch the series because there's quite a few episodes and, you know, you can do it in time order or chronological order or character order or... So it shifts a bit. We ha- we had the youngest story with Keely and then the older story with Keely back to back for some reason. She was twenty one and then fifty two in the in the space of two months. It's great. Tommy Elflower, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at either Tom C Finn, Tom Roberts Finn, T C Roberts Finn, uh, Roberts Finn somewhere in the title should be able to find me. Uh, and on Trek Culture and on this podcast, you'll see me talking or editing or something or another i'm going to pass out in a moment and go to sleep hey uh i'm not far behind you myself i you can find us of course uh Tri culture on twitter at triculture yt on instagram i'm at sean ferrick on twitter as well everyone thank you so much for listening along is are awesome is are wonderful sam as ever it is so nice to see you tom as ever get that nap you're all wonderful and we shall see you for our next episode next week Thanks very much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.